Welcome everyone to the DC Beer Show. Hope you enjoyed that new vibe check we've got in the intro. We are at DC Beer across social media. Hey Brandy, what you drinking tonight? Man, Jake, I I am not currently drinking anything, but I went over to Shelter and had a bunch of little tasters of some great beer. I had a a couple of Blue Jacket beers. I had a delicious Trillium. I had a Goza from from uh, Halfway Crooks. I had some really great little. I had a brown ale and a a brown porter. It was it was lovely having the array of of beers uh, over at Shelter and some sushi, some killer sushi. So if you all haven't checked out Shelter, I highly recommend because I got everything from perennial to Trillium to to Lost Generations uh, uh, collab beer. So yeah. What are you drinking, Mr. Stein? Well, Brandy, speaking of Lost Generations collaborative beer, I am drinking Tiger Spirit. That's the one. Yeah, Tiger Spirit. You know, it's a collab, but usually collabs are two. This is a tri, a tripartite or a quartet or maybe even a quintet collaborative beer because it's got Blue Jacket on the can. It's got Chefs Stopping AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander Hate which is a group uh, with Tim Ma and Kevin Chen are the co-founders of it. I've also got Imperial Yeast there on the can. But what's really cool about Chef Stopping AAPI Hate is that 10% of all proceeds from the Tiger Spirit beer, which is not just at Lost Generation, it's also at Shelter and Blue Jacket, is that 10% of these proceeds donated to Chefs Stopping Asian American Pacific Islander Hate you love to see it increase the peace, decrease the hate. And I just have to say, Tiger Spirit, it's a wit beer, and it's that classic wit. It's full-bodied from the wheat. It's low ABV, 4.8%. It's just hitting on all the right notes. And as a quintet does, there is a richness in this beer that is so beautiful. I have to give uh, kudos to uh, Anne and Jared at Lost Generation, as well as Tim Moffer, Chef Stopping at P.I. Hate, Tim Liu from Blue Jacket, and then lastly, the people from 50 Hertz, uh, which is this wonderful, you know, spice and ingredient company that got in on the Lost Generation collaboration. Jake Berg, Jake Scoops, Scoops Berg. Hey. What are you So yeah, I was, I was also going to shout out um, Yao over at uh, 50 Hertz Tingly Foods. They also do um, like the Szechuan peppercorn flavored peanuts. They're delightful. They go great with a wide array of beers. Check them out. It is now Kolsch weather. And so I have Suarez's um, Rapaport Kolsch style ale. Uh, got that yeast really, really nicely done. Keeping it crisp, uh, but like a little bit of fruit. Slightly darker than a Hellas. A little more carbonation would be nice. But, you know, I was quite, quite pleased. Thank you um, to whoever brought that to me. All right. The first order of business is that Flying Dog is um, flying the coop and they just got bought by FX Matt, who you might best know from Saranac and the Kirkland brand uh, beers that they sell at Costco. It's kind of ironic that the tagline for Flying Dog more recently since 2017 has been uh, America's most disobedient brewery. And I don't know that I would call FX Matt America's most obedient brewery, but they have really made their mark playing it true to style. The Saranac beers, whether it's the Black Forest Schwartz beer, you know, their black lager, 
or they've got some pale ales and some IPAs, but they're very, what I would call safe beers in that you would never buy the Schwartz beer and be like, oh, this is too roasty. You would never buy, you know, the pale ale and be like, oh, this is too bitter. Or this is too hazy. It's too, too hoppy. It, they're always too style and they're well-made beers. But it's just fascinating that Flying Dog, the brewery who many uh, former employees call the marketing company with a brewing problem, would be bought out by what I believe is America's second oldest brewery. And Flying Dog is no spring chicken themselves. They are 20 some odd years old at this point in time. But it's really interesting that in the press release, CEO Jim Caruso said, if the business environment were more hospitable in Frederick, he said he loves Frederick, but the business environment is not hospitable. And sadly, what that means for Flying Dog employees, probably some layoffs. We'll stay tuned to DC Beer Media, dcbeer.com, and we will keep you posted on the developments as they unfold. I want to add that this comes right on the heels the Diageo slash Guinness, um, these facilities over at the Hailthorpe Mark Station and what they're calling Relay just outside Baltimore on our side of things, Guinness and Diageo announced that they were going to close up shop on this 100 hectoliter system that was brewing the Guinness Baltimore Blonde, which had really obviously tied itself to Maryland and the Maryland flag. We don't know what's going to happen uh, short of Heavy Seas becoming Maryland's largest brewer. But what I think is really fascinating is that five years ago, ex-Maryland Governor Larry Hogan said Maryland's open for business. He said 200 jobs are coming to Baltimore County. Well, now we know there's something like 97 jobs being lost via Diageo, the parent company that owns Guinness. So really, we're down to about 100 jobs in five years. So it's really a walking back of the promise that the ex-governor said. We know there's a bunch of Maryland brewers who are upset. They felt like uh, Diageo Guinness specifically had the red carpet rolled out for them uh, with some legislation uh, taking place. But really, the biggest blow for us is, you know, 97 people out of a job, uh, 97 people that were Diageo employees making Baltimore Blonde and there's been some talk in the uh, Maryland legislation. Uh, one person was offering up $500,000 to keep Baltimore Blonde in Maryland. Uh, Heavy Seas said, we'll do that. We're up for the job. But a uh, friend of DC Beer Media, Dave Infante, the author of the Fingers newsletter, had a really funny take, which is like, it seems weird to throw $500,000 to keep 97 jobs that ultimately have been you know, classified unnecessary, like, what are we doing, Maryland? So check on your favorite Maryland brewers, especially those local to us in D.C., and keep Maryland beer alive. You know, the, the Brewers Association of Maryland is doing a bang-up job, and it's certainly not on them that Diageo decided to leave or Flying Dog decided to leave. But check on your Maryland brewery friends. Exactly. Friends. Yeah, and I do want to keep it Maryland here just for a minute as we talk about upcoming events. Uh, Denizens is going to do their monthly open house in Riverdale Park. They'll pop some bottles, um, some rare stuff from the cellar. It'll be really cool. Uh, it's not an event, but it is a Maryland brewery. This is your last week for Astrolab before they shut down, and before Third Hill comes in, um, looking at like a mid-June opening there. We know they're going to keep a couple of the recipes around, and you'll still see fresh as, and that's great. But obviously, our best to Matt and Emma and the Astrolab team as well. 
we love you, Emma and Matt and everybody. And I know all the regulars are really bummed but excited uh, to see what's coming up. But like Jake said, this is the last weekend. They are going to be open on Memorial Day. So they have they're they're extending their hours so you can squeeze your last little bit of Astrolab love in. So check out their social media. They posted their their updated hours until the last day, which is Memorial Day. So cheers to you guys. Love you. Yeah. Um, and once you're done celebrating with Astrolab, check out some other spots around town. We know that there is the Ode Beers Alambic Tasting with Master Blender Geert Christians at the Sovereign on May 31st. Ooh. So right before June starts, Ode Beersel, one of one of my favorite lambics uh, from Belgium. Also coming down the pike on June 1st, Coven Brewing at Church Key. Uh, Coven Brewing, very excited to welcome them to D.C. on June 1st. Also at Church Key on June 8th, uh, we'll see Untold Brewing. Untold Brewing, I believe, making their D.C. debut June 8th at Church Key. Before June 8th at Church Key, June 2nd, D.C. Brow is having their open mic night. So June 2nd at 7 p.m., open mic night, D.C. Brow on Bladensburg Road, uh, the district's oldest production brewery. Always a good time at open mic night. What else is going on as we close out May, look toward June? I mean, June. I'm, I'm really looking forward to June. It's always a fun month. Uh, we've had amazing weather, so I hope that that continues. But speaking of D.C. Brow... One of the uh, lovely people over at Brow filled out our beer release form. So shout out to Brow. Whoop, whoop. Hey. And oh, what yeah. do you think it is for June? It's the sixth annual Pride Pills collaboration with Run Bear this year. It's a 4.5 ABV Pilsner. I'm super excited. Uh, and the proceeds are going to uh, help benefit the Washington Blade. It is S-M-Y-A-L. Uh, so yeah, go check that out. And I'm looking forward as always to our beer shares. We just had our last beer share at Right Proper. Love everybody that came. And uh, the fine folks at Blue Jacket have offered to host us. So June, the beer share will be at Blue Jacket, which is really freaking cool. So make sure you check out uh, dcbeer.com, sign up for our newsletter so you can find out how to RSVP for that. And I can give you three reasons why you should show up. And each of those reasons is a leader of Sierra Nevada celebration, <laughs> a Jeroboam procured by one Mike Stein. Keeping it Ballpark Navy Yard, the Brewer's Ball is going to be Friday, June 9th at the Wharf. It is now June's only beer fest down there on the waterfront because there's no more saver, but don't worry. There'll still be Snallygaster and you should stay tuned to watch our space for that. We also want to shout out the day after that is Wheatland Springs Land Beer Fest. And so I think you'll see a fair amount of DC beer folks doing a little road tripping out you there. You definitely will. You're going to see some of the Women's Brew Culture Club and all of us DC beer folks. I'm pretty sure we're all going as far as I know. So I want to shout out Bonnie uh, for being so awesome out at Wheatland Spring. Hella big shout out to all of our Patreon members, Bill DeBon, Justin Brody, Bill Butcher, and Thor Cheston. You should be a DC beer member as well. You get lots of awesome perks. 
Uh, so go to dcbeer.com and check it out how to be our Patreon member. Some of those perks are provided by the good people at the Arlington Brew Shop, Julie and Beth. These two wonderful women are the masterminds behind the brew shop in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome, Julie, Beth, to the DC Beer Show. Hey, Brandy. Hi, Brandy. I was going to let you both kick this off by telling our listeners about the brew shop and how you both got into the beer beer retail world. I'm Julie. Beth and I met at our our old job. We were both litigation consultants. We're both CPAs, accountants by trade. Um, we, our offices were next door to each other at the firm that we worked at. Uh, we bonded over home brewing initially. We would do quad brew days where our husbands would brew, we would brew. So we'd have usually four different brews going at once in generally your backyard, but, um, we would, your dog would be there. We have the brew dog, uh, all of that. So we bonded over home brewing and I think we just, we're sitting around drinking too much at one point and said, you know what, we should open a homebrew shop in Arlington and joked about it for a very long time and then started sort of looking into it and started, you know what, let's let's think about this. So it's the idea started as homebrewing. But once we got in and started doing market research, we looked and said, you know, what? there's no bottle shop on the corridor like the Roslyn to Boston corridor. Um, similarly, there's really no wine store on the Roslyn to Boston corridor. Um, at that time either. You could go to grocery stores. You could go to, we did have someone tell us they were buying their wine at CVS before we opened. <laughs> um, so we were certainly meeting a need <laughs> when we opened. Um, but we did, yeah, so we once we got going on market research and, and realized like, hey, this is, we should turn this into more than just a homebrew shop. This should be a, a space for all things brew, beer, wine, homebrew, you know, the whole, the whole thing. And I joke to people, our husbands were homebrewers first, and then they got us into it. So I now joke with people like, be careful what you get your wife into because she might steal your hobby <laughs> and then turn it into her job. <laughs> uh, how long did you guys toil over this? You know, how long did you joke about it and talk about it? It had to be at least a couple oh, wow. of years. And yeah. yeah, because once we, well, we thought about it and then the process of putting together a business plan, finding space, building the space, permitting all of that took forever um so if you look at our logo it says established 2015 but we opened in 2016 january 2016 i assumed you had the retail shop mostly and then the homebrew equipment because i that's just usually how it goes so i know that three stars was really the only local brewery to sell homebrew essentials you know, hops and equipment and stuff. How long did you sell the homebrew supplies before you actually brought in the, like, the beer? It all happened at once. So when we opened on day one, we had all three components. Oh, okay. So the homebrew supplies, packaged beer, draft beer for growler and crawler fills, and then wine. So we wanted to be sort of the place where you would go to buy a beer, to drink while you're making a beer. Um, because no one wants to make beer sober, right? You want to drink a beer <laughs> while you're making beer. So it all happened at once. And you brought up a great point, Brandy. Um, it's funny because one of the main hurdles that we had when opening, especially from the homebrew supply, was convincing the our homebrew partners that there was a need in this area for another homebrew shop. And obviously there is because, you know, the existing shops weren't metro accessible. And Arlington itself has a huge homebrew community. Um, 
we work a lot with DC homebrewers, but we also have Grist, which meets right down the street from from where our shop is. So there's a lively homebrew community uh, in Arlington yeah. itself. I was actually going to ask, do you see a lot of DC homebrew homebrewers coming to you in Arlington? Yes. And we have people that drive from so far away to come to our store specifically That's for homebrew awesome. supplies. Yeah. Really, yeah. Like people, people say they drive, some people drive over an hour to, to come to our store, which is, you know, kind of crazy to me. I know that having a business is a lot of work. Folks usually ask what the hardest part of their job is. I'm curious what you both say is your favorite aspect of, of owning the, the brew shop. I mean, for me, and I did this today, it's in the middle of an ordering day, so it's like a heavy paperwork day, uh, but I got to just sit around and talk about beer with several people. Just people come in and there's a particular beer that they like or are passionate about that we do or don't have, and we just kind of down the rabbit hole on it. And a lot of a lot of homebrewers especially love to chat about beer and what's behind it. Very and what's much in so. It. But people who don't homebrew, yeah. <laughs> People who don't homebrew, though, are really into it as well. Like the with the way beer is marketed now, and this has been a change, I think, from when we first opened to now, where almost every beer will have on the can what hops are in the beer. They might have a little bit about the grist that's in the beer. Like there's a lot of information. And so people who don't homebrew still know a lot about it. And they'll know like, oh, yeah, I like Nelson hops or, you know, I, li I like Vec East or things like this. So. To just kind of like sit around and shoot the shit about beer, I think, is my favorite part of the job. And I did it several times today, which is great, especially on a heavy paperwork day where I feel like I'm a little bit trapped in the computer. Everyone in the beer community is just so inviting. Like, hey, try this beer. So I, I definitely see that, you know, you get a lot of people coming in wanting to shoot the shit, which is funny because you guys do not serve beer. Correct? Correct. correct. <laughs> it's a major rabbit hole in Virginia ABC law that... That really just is not allowed. We do we do taste. Yeah. So we have like the sample pours and we since we have draft lines as well for growlers and crawlers, we do allow people to sample off of the draft lines. So there's a little bit of sort of tasting kind of. Thing. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I wanted to to mention that it's the same setup as as craft beer seller in D.C. And, you know, I, I love Erica and Erica's doing the, the D.C. beer community justice and I think it's it's funny because both of the best bottle shops uh, in the area are owned by women. And when I was on the panel with Erica talking about women in the industry, you know, she says she gets so many customers come in and just assume she doesn't know anything because she's a woman. Do you both do you experience that? Or like, hey, can I talk to the owner here? And like, oh, that's me. Does that happen to you guys? Yes, definitely <laughs> happens. It happens. It happens with customers. It also happens with beer reps, which I think is is even more disappointing. Sure. I'm sure, Erica, you know, first off, where we have so much respect and appreciation for Erica and we send people to her store all the time because we we carry different things um, because of the wonderful laws between D.C. <laughs> and Virginia. But yes, it does happen. Um, and it. And all I can really say is that it's it's disappointing, and I hope people are learning that, uh, you know, women can be knowledgeable about beer and homebrewing too. I actually think it's probably worse on the homebrewing side than it is the the street beer drinking side. I don't know if you agree with me, Julie. Yeah, I mean it's um, it's been going on, you know, since we opened. It happens every so often. It certainly happens less now than it did. 
because people know us. So people come in and they know who we are and they know and they even know our palettes. They know, you know, oh, I'm looking for a porter. Let me talk to Julie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like, um, so it happens less on the customer side than it did, but it certainly still happens. Um, and yeah, like you say, on the supplier side, it's absolutely still there. Um, you know, we we have tried very hard to and I think I was telling one of our employees about this, you know, sort of asked like how the distributor relationships work and. So we, I'm not going to pretend that we have come in and, you know, broken down or dismantled the boys club in any way, but I think we've gotten into it. We can sit at the table with the boys sometimes now, which is one way to look at it. Um, but I, yeah, I would say my disappointment is stronger for that happening on the supplier side. I recently just met you, despite you being well known in the beer community. I don't really venture into Virginia very often, so, uh, but I, I happened to meet you at a really great uh, beer event in D.C. And it's just I I've noticed that more women are showing up and and I appreciate both of you for, you know, being strong role models, I guess, is is the word I want to say for women in the beer community. So um, I've been totally gung ho and into it, uh, especially with the new women's group. And everyone's just so excited about meeting other women who are influential in the beer community. And I love that. I have some questions for you from Mike Stein. Mike asks oh, some very specific <laughs> beer questions. So Mike Stein wants to know what surprises you both in terms of what beer sells and what doesn't. What styles do you wish sold better? How do you decide what to sell? What beer sells the most? I think we are the first to see changes and shifts in styles. So right now, the most one of the most demanded styles is a West Coast IPA. Uh, so we can finally feel the shift happening on the IPA front. Loggers are also super hot right now. Um, and I think that's thanks to people like Wheatland, Landmade, Schilling. Um, they're making it a cool kid's beer with so many nuances. So I think those are the things that people are most interested in right now. However, of course, we're still selling tons of hazy IPAs. But I think people are, are dialing back just a little bit. I'm not fried. Yeah, I don't know that I would say I'm surprised at how, well, I probably would have said it five years ago, how well loggers are doing right now. It's a thing that five years ago, everyone in the beer industry was waiting for people to get into. You know, and you'd ask like, what do you hope is coming? Everyone's like, loggers, loggers, I hope loggers are going to be the next hit. And we're finally there. I think we sell a ton of loggers. And like Beth was saying, it's due to some really cool breweries and many of them local too, that are making excellent lagers that just like you said they have a nuance like i'm drinking one right now you know that it's they're all different it's not like oh all lagers taste the same you know that's a, a preconceived notion that people may have had even as little as five years ago that has been broken right down. Um, so that's one of my favorite like i love that that is what's happening i'll also say that we sell more like wheat beer and more seasonal beer every year than I could ever imagine. <laughs> um, we are very much a neighborhood shop. So we have lots of cool kid beers. We have lots of the latest releases and um, all of that. But but we are first and foremost a shop for a neighborhood. Um, and so those are wheat beer, you know, like your Port City Optimal Wit, tons and tons of it. It's a fantastic, solid, you know, year round beer that always scratches the itch for people. But it always shocks me when I see how much we sell every single week. I mean, it only has like, what, six GABF medals? You know, it's a... <laughs> no, it's... 
Fantastic fear. Yeah. You kind of answered a bunch of the other questions. So <laughs> that Mike had. Um, uh, which which beer would you would you wish sold more? Like this, what style specifically that that you see doesn't really on a personal go off level? the shelves. More more porters oh. always for me. Like I just why, why is that? But I can't drink enough porters, and so I, I mean they make fun of me all summer. It'll be ninety five degrees and humid, and I'm still drinking a porter. Um, but I want that like five or six percent ABV, roasty, like full body, even though low ABV. Uh, and I love to just try as many as I can. So I would say Porter because on a personal level, I just want more available. To I me. love that Beth laughed when you when you answered because it's so true. And Julie will even take like a Porter in the shower, like as in her shower beer yeah. is a Porter, which just makes zero sense to me. It just <laughs> seems stifling and hot. I mean, that sounds kind of fun to anything me. Can be a shower beer. <laughs> You just get done playing a soccer game. It does anything can be a shower beer, or you could just you know <laughs> yeah. drink a smoke beer in the shower and feel like you're in a cedar sauna. You could, yeah. there you go, yeah. Like <laughs> um, so I ask, uh, well, you've already answered this question, Julie. Um, before we we bid adieu, uh, I ask all the guests this: What is your personal favorite kind of beer? Oh yeah, probably porters. I think. I- I drink a lot of lagers, too, so I had a hard debate with myself on what to drink during this podcast. I did end up with a lager instead of a porter. What are you drinking? Um, I usually like ask that, was, that. Oh, yeah. I'm drinking the the Crooked Run Allura, which is a um, Italian pills that I thought was only going to be at their new Crooked Run location that's in D.C. They were brewing it down there, and when I went to the, the opening, I talked to Jake and was like, this is fantastic. I had never had it before. And he said, yeah, we're just brewing it for this location. And somewhere along the way, a little snuck into distribution like two weeks ago. And so I got my hands on it, of course. Uh, Beth, are you having an alcohol right now? Oh, I'm <laughs> certainly having an alcohol right now. <laughs> um, my personal favorite style is Oktoberfest, which I feel like should be brewed year round. And I keep saying it. Oktoberfest all day, every day. I look forward to August when they roll around. Um, I am currently drinking Vazen's Mexican mm-hmm. Lager. Um, so that is a good so one. Good. Yeah. Just yes, just enough mall and then a little bit of a uh, little bit of lime, a little bit of salt. Before we say goodbye, I want you to tell the listeners um, that about like your weekly tastings and what to expect and where you guys are located. We are located at 2004 Wilson Boulevard in the courthouse neighborhood, just about a block from the courthouse metro and a short walk from the Roslyn metro. And then we have tasting events every single Friday from five to seven. And they usually feature um, different breweries, sometimes uh, wine, but mostly breweries. This coming Friday, we have Sierra Nevada. Who's after that, Julie? You have the uh, calendar Potter's, memorized. Potter's Craft Cider. And then we've got Ocelot coming Aww. in. Phil Runco is going to come Oh, that's awesome. Us, uh, in the middle of June. Yeah, we're excited cool. to see him. Yeah. Thanks for coming yeah. on, and I hope to see you at all the future DC beer events. See you at Wheatland, yeah. Wheatland next month, yeah. right? Yeah, I'll see you. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. All right, thanks. Cheers. We love the Arlington Brew Shop. The Brew Shop owners are some of my favoritest people selling me beer, wine, and cider, fine cider, in Arlington. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Beth, everybody. Arlington Brew Shop. They sell singles in case you can want to try something before you walk out with a six-pack. They might also sell you multiple cases of really good beer. Anyway, they pack like a lot of punch into that space. Definitely worth checking out. All right, 
Fingers crossed that the weather holds out. Fingers crossed that the next three or four largest breweries in Maryland don't decide to sell or shut down. That would be bad. Check in on your Maryland friends. They're not okay, even if they say they are. We're at DCB or across social media. We just want to say, as uh, we put the finishing touches on Asian American Pacific Islander uh, Month, as well as uh, Jewish American History Month, Every month is a month full of rich diversity for us at DC Beer. As we move towards Pride Month, every month is Pride Month. We have pride in you. Have pride in us. Come visit us at dcbeer.com. DC Beer Media would love to see you at our next share. Join our newsletter. We'll see you on the socials at DC Beer. That was a good one. Ooh, well done, sir. That was good.